Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel, broadcasting remotely. How many of you had a set of encyclopedias growing up or remember looking at them at the library? Now that there is so much information online, many of those encyclopedias are gathering dust. But do you trust online sites like Wikipedia? Today where we live, we dig in. This month, Wikipedia turns 20. The popular nonprofit site is run by the Wikimedia Foundation. Coming up, we find out more about the many volunteers, the people editing these Wikipedia pages, and how some users have been working to improve the site, addressing gender disparities. We want to hear from you. Do you use Wikipedia often? Do you have questions about it? You can join our conversation. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. My first guest today on Zoom is Molly White. She's a longtime Wikipedia editor based in Boston. Molly, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Now, I mentioned that there are many volunteers editing Wikipedia pages. The Washington Post says there are 270,000 active editors a month. That's a lot. So tell me, when did you find that you wanted to be part of this Wikipedia community? Um, I joined Wikipedia when I was pretty young. I was probably 13 or 14 years old, um, and I stumbled across it, I think, sometime uh, and realized that I could edit it myself. So I signed up and made a couple of edits just to, you know, my hometown and things like that, um, and then sort of left it alone for a while and then rediscovered it a little bit uh, in sort of the late high school years. Um, and that's when I became a pretty active editor and have remained active for about 10 years since then. When you said that you rediscovered it, what were some of the topics that you were interested in editing pages on? Um, when I sort of first started editing, it was a lot of things that I was just interested in then. So, you know, bands I liked, that kind of thing. Um, but I pretty quickly uh, became someone who uh, just sort of like, wanders around the site, I think, and edits things that I discover. So um, I've never really had a very strong topic area interest. I mostly just uh, find pages that need improvement and sort of go from there. That sounds like a lot of time and energy to contribute into uh, Wikipedia. What is it about this site that keeps you wanting to go back and be a part of it? I would say I'm definitely motivated by um, just the desire to provide a freely available sort of information resource to people. Um, I think free accessible knowledge is really, really important. And, uh, you know, anything I can do to make knowledge more available to people who might not otherwise have as much access to it uh, is, is very important to me. When anyone does a search on the internet, often a Wikipedia page is one of the first ones to pop up. It's a very popular site. But how does Wikipedia work through the idea that because it's a free site and the fact that people can edit 
topics that they are interested in. Like, how do you handle whether pages are have maybe erroneous information or uh, people are using it uh, to post on fairly contentious topics? So we definitely have issues with that where people will come and introduce either false information or just outright vandalism. Um, but there's also a, a large community of editors who are just very careful to keep pages up to date and accurate. Um, so we use a lot of tools, both um, automatic programs and sort of semi-automatic programs um, to revert vandalism that comes in. So we have, you know, bots and things like that that will identify uh, edits that are likely to be unproductive. Um, and then as far as things like disinformation, you know, we keep a pretty close eye on pages that um, we think are particularly prone to that. Uh, so, you know, in topic areas like, say, American politics, where uh, things are pretty contentious, there's a lot of editors who take a lot of time to make sure that, um, you know, the edits coming in are well sourced to reliable sources, um, that they're neutral, um, and that they're not introducing, you know, falsehoods or, or things like that. So anyone can edit Wikipedia, but if there's someone like you, Molly, who's been editing for some time, is there a certain type, the fact that you have, I guess, more abilities to work and edit on pages than, say, someone who's a newbie? To some extent. Um, so for pages that are really, really contentious, we do sort of, we protect them from editing by the very, very new editors, which does sort of help us stem some of the vandalism um, so we have different levels of protection that, that prevent pages from being edited by people who are extremely new or sort of new. Uh, and so at that point, um, those people can still suggest changes to those pages. We never want to completely prevent people from improving pages, uh, but it's only people like me who've been editing for a little bit longer who can actually edit the pages directly and introduce those changes. When anyone looks at a Wikipedia page, they can see how heavily sourced a lot of the pages are. And that's very different from if I log on to my Facebook page or Twitter, people can send out anything and you don't see like exactly where they're getting that information from. Yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely one of our strengths uh, as far as disinformation online. Um, you know, people can say anything on Twitter and it, it could be something they've made up. It could be something they saw in a very reliable source and you have no idea. But on Wikipedia, you know, there always should be, you know, that little number at the end of the sentence that shows exactly which source it came from uh, so that anyone, you know, an editor or just a reader uh, can go and verify that whatever they're reading is, in fact, coming from a reliable source. Now, I mentioned social media. I understand that there is a system in place with the Wikipedia community where if you're seeing certain articles being shared, uh, you're tracking that to make sure that it's not being abused, that information? To some extent, I think some editors do that on their own. It's something I do a little bit. I sort of keep an eye on, you know, mentions of Wikipedia on, say, Twitter and, and just sort of look to see if those articles are being um, edited or, you know, if... Sometimes people will vandalize an article and then share it on Twitter and show like, look what I did, you know, and I'll often see those and, and go and fix them. Um, but yeah, we do we do try to keep an eye on those like particularly uh, sort of high trafficked pages because they can be targets for vandalism or misinformation. When you use the term vandalized, do you mean people who are going in and almost in a sense pranking that page, putting in something that might be silly or definitely not right, but not necessarily uh, malicious? 
Yeah, I definitely use the term vandalism to to refer to sort of, you know, it's it's usually fairly innocent. It's things like, you know, Molly was here, you know, and things like that that people will try to, in, you know, introduce to these articles. And I definitely distinguish that from things like disinformation, which is, you know, intentionally trying to edit an article so that you're misleading people. And, you know, it's, it's not usually uh, something that's, you know, the high school student who doesn't want to complete their homework and is bored and so wants to you know, vandalize what they're looking at. Um, I definitely distinguish those two. You're hearing Molly White here on Where We Live. She's a longtime Wikipedia editor. As we talk about this online encyclopedia, again, that turns 20 this year, it has changed uh, a lot uh, since its beginning days. And we want to hear from you if you have a question about Wikipedia, if you're a frequent user, or maybe you wonder about how reliable some of the information is that you've read on Wikipedia. You can join us. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. So Molly, I was curious when breaking news happens and when we look at the the riot and the mob that stormed the U.S. Capitol just a few weeks ago. When something like that is happening, can you walk us through how that information, how a page is created about that particular event happening, and how many editors are we talking about that are continuing to compile information as something is breaking? Absolutely. Um, so that particular page was created by an editor uh, who is has created quite a few articles actually about various Trump rallies, both pro-Trump and anti-Trump rallies. Um, and they were watching as this uh, situation sort of unfolded in the Capitol because it began as a rally. Um, and so they were watching the news and saw that, you know, people had gathered in DC, that various people, including then President Trump had given some speeches. Um, and then people started to march towards the Capitol. And when they saw that um, there were some evacuations at the Capitol because people had begun to break past security, they realized that this was maybe not just some, you know, standard Trump rally that might not necessarily be uh, notable enough for a Wikipedia article. And they realized, like, this is actually something that's going to have lasting notability. And so that's when they created the article on what came to be known as the 2021 storming of the U.S. Capitol. Um, I actually joined them in editing that page because they had posted to a page that I've worked on in the past. At the, they posted to the talk page of that article, which is where we sort of coordinate um, changes to say, hey, you know, I've um, created this new article about this, this, you know, event that's happening. So I went and started to just, you know, do some very standard copy editing, formatting changes. Um, at the time, I didn't think it was actually notable enough for an article. I thought this is probably going to be deleted. It's just a rally. Like, what's what's the point? Um, but very shortly after I began editing, I found out and other editors found out that people had actually broken into the Capitol building. Um, and that's when people, you know, many, many editors began to join us in in updating this page sort of in real time as news broke about what was happening in D.C. Um <laughs> And the challenge, Molly, I was just oh, thinking the right? challenge, I was thinking the challenge of when there is breaking news as someone, you know, when you work in, in the news business is that sometimes what's being reported early ends up not being accurate. And so the constant having to update that. And so do you see that also as well when you're sourcing particular to particular uh, media outlets, but as the information uh, is changing and being confirmed that that's being constantly updated on Wikipedia? Absolutely. Yes. So we definitely see, you know, breaking news sources. We actually have uh, policies on Wikipedia where 
where we consider breaking news to be slightly less reliable than than sort of non-breaking news stories for that very reason, because those really preliminary reports are sometimes inaccurate. So we'll often go and replace those sources later on when there's sort of more um, time, you know, passed since the event and the, the, the sources become a little bit more reliable. Can you give us an idea of some other uh, events or uh, where you've seen a lot of traffic on a page and uh, you know you have to continually be in that that editing process uh, and what happens um, I'm just thinking with January 6th now past us there's still information coming out and can you walk us through how those pages are continuing to be updated Definitely. So um, to answer your first question, I've definitely worked on a handful of articles that were very sort of, you know, high traffic because they were breaking news. Um, The ones that come to mind most recently have to do with the November election. So, you know, the night of the election, um, you know, some people were expecting that results would be published that that night because that's historically what's happened. Um, But Obviously, this year that didn't happen, but those pages were still very highly edited, both around the presidential election, but also around the other, you know, senatorial elections that were happening. Um, so those were very heavily edited. Um, and then to answer your other question, um, we do continually revisit articles uh, about breaking news stories to update them, you know, with later information that happens because these events, you know, eventually form a place in history. And there are always, you know, reactions to the event that we need to document or legislation that happens because of the event. In this case, there were people who were injured at the event who, you know, were later either they recovered or some people passed away. We needed to cover that as well. Um, So there's always sort of event, you know, the event that's happening that day on January 6th. But then there's always the sort of um, aftermath of that event that we need to cover as well. And so that page on the, you know, on the storming of the Capitol is still being very, very heavily edited, you know, even as I speak. You can join our conversation as we talk more about Wikipedia. If you have questions about the online encyclopedia, you can join us at Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Fred is calling from Collinsville. Fred, what's your question? Uh, yes, uh, good morning. Um, sometimes you'll have a topic that is very controversial historically, where two sides have a diametrically opposed interpretation. Like, let's say, the Armenian Genocide. Um, I can envision where you would have, um, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say edit wars, where one side would put up some edits with their interpretation, followed immediately by another side with their interpretation erasing the first sides. So how do you handle something like that where there's, like I say, two sharply different interpretations of what's going on um, and edit wars might result? Great question, Fred. Go ahead, Molly. That's a great question. Um, And edit wars is exactly what we call it, actually. With with articles like that, where there's no sort of accepted truth, there's two very different or more than two even very different interpretations of, you know, a, a subject, we do something where we basically cover the controversy, controversy. So we will say, you know, there's this side which believes this thing, and then there's this side which believes this thing. Um, and we'll try to explain just that there are different views on this subject, and these are what they are. Um, But you're right that they do attract people who wish, you know, that we would only 
describe their side of the conflict. Um, and so in those very contentious subject areas like the Armenian genocide, that's a great example, um, we do uh, enforce some rules around editing a little bit more strongly than we do in other topic areas. So in some cases, you need to have a certain number of edits or an account that's uh, been you know, been active on Wikipedia for a certain amount of time before you're allowed to edit those pages directly. Um, and up until that point, you're only allowed to suggest changes on the talk page, which is very similar to what we do with American politics as well. So when we think about uh, these edit wars, again, uh, volunteers are editing these pages. And so for something like the Armenian Genocide, uh, will you see Wikipedia editors consulting like academic experts uh, for uh, more information if, if it's, if it's you know, con continuing to be contentious and there are those uh, factions saying we should include this, we should include this? Absolutely. And I would say that some of the people who are editing these pages are themselves experts. Um, there are some people who are both academic experts who decide they wish to contribute their knowledge to Wikipedia. And so those people are very, very helpful in, in topic areas that the, you know, the layman may not be super familiar themselves. Todd's calling from Milford. Todd, go ahead. Hi, yes. Uh, in regards to what you consider reliable sources, um, I was curious about your fact-checking process. Are there some sources that are kind of flagged as unreliable or more reliable? Molly? Yep. So we go with um, consensus, basically, among Wikipedia editors. So if there's a source and we're not sure, you know, if we should consider it reliable or not, we'll have a big discussion about it and you know, the consensus of those discussions is what we will go with. So we do have lists of what we call perennial sources that are basically just um, very frequently cited sources, um, you know, very common news sources like the New York Times or NPR, for example. Um, and we record the results of those consensus so that people can just look at a glance like, okay, this is a, a reliable source, or sometimes it's reliable for this topic area, but not another topic area. And then we do also have sources that we know you should really never use. Um, so there are some sources that we consider to be generally unreliable, and we flag those so that they're, we can avoid using them in, in general in articles. And could you give examples of what you would consider unreliable? So some of the sources that we've decided um, through these discussions that are, are generally unreliable are things like the Daily Mail, um, Breitbart is another one, um, basically just sources that don't have a great reputation for fact-checking or sometimes will outright publish falsehoods. You're hearing Molly White here on Where We Live, a longtime Wikipedia editor based in Boston, Massachusetts. Coming up, we're going to hear about an initiative in the Wikipedia community to create and improve information about black culture and history. And we learn how some users are working to address the site's gender disparities. Now, do you use Wikipedia regularly? What questions do you have? You can join us as well. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel, broadcasting remotely. Wikipedia turns 20 this year, and today we talk about the community of volunteer editors who contribute to Wikipedia's more than 55 million user-created articles. Kathy tweeted, wow, can you imagine a world without Wikipedia now? I remember as a child uh, going through old encyclopedias at the library and at home. Now, the Washington Post reports the site struggles with diversity among its editors, and less than 20 percent of those editors identify as women. So what's happening to change that? Joining us now on Zoom is Sherry Antwine, Executive Director of AfroCrowd, a Wikimedia initiative to improve engagement of people of African descent in Wikipedia in both content and editorship. Sherry, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing well. So you are technically a Wikipedian, is that the term? Yeah, Wikipedian. Um or a Wikipedia editor, and um, <laughs> I'm also uh, uh, one of the organizers, the many organizers, who are involved with the platform. So before you got really involved with Wikipedia, tell me when you first started using it, and what was your reaction? I came to Wikipedia as a user first, which I think is the experience of most people. Um, it is um, one of the top uh, uh international resources in the world, the largest uh, volunteer community in the world, um, and the largest encyclopedia, um, you know, online. And um, I remember using uh, it in grad school, and um, and then later on I joined AfroCrowd uh, uh, founder, Alice Backer, who started uh, AfroCrowd in 2015 during um, what's coming to be our sixth anniversary uh, Black Wiki History Month, and I joined her about four months after she started the initiative. So tell us more about AfroCrowd. So you mentioned Alice Backers. I believe she's a, an attorney, and she saw that there just wasn't a lot of content reflecting the African diaspora as well as the people editing these pages. So um, how did you get involved with AfroCrowd, and tell us about the people in this community today. Right. Um, so before I, I uh, started uh, uh, organizing with AfroCrowd, I um, was very interested in the interplay of uh, the Internet and society. So the Internet and how it's affecting the way we see the world. And um, uh, I was involved in uh, leading another women's group. And that's actually where I met Alice. Um, she was a part of our, our, our mailing list. And I uh, heard her call out for... Um, and the events that she was holding focused on uh, Black History Month. And um, it turns out that, you know, she was looking for someone to partner with her in this. And it was just supposed to be, you know, a few months that I would help out with the initiative. But I got hooked, and six years later, I'm its executive director. And we have gone from being a meetup in the New York area to holding events uh, throughout the country at uh, different universities, different organizations. Uh, and uh, now we have partners in different parts of the world. Um, we have been in different countries. We've gone uh, to uh, virtually and in person um, to places like South Africa, to Ghana, to throughout uh, different parts of Europe, Sweden. Um, and, uh, you know, and now we are, uh, you know, throughout the pandemic, we are holding events online. And um, from 2015, we've held um, one Wikipedia edit this, uh, event a month, uh, every month uh, for the last six years, and sometimes more than that. 
So um, you can imagine uh, we've reached hundreds uh, of people, I would uh, actually thousands of people, and um, those groups have then gone out um, and edited uh, thousands of articles and have, which have been viewed millions of times. Um, so it's been an extraordinary and rewarding experience. And this year, especially with all that's been going on um, in uh, the black community, but just in the world in general, um, we've been very busy. So after George Floyd's uh, killing, when uh, you talk about what's been happening this year uh, among uh, communities of color and uh, with the activism and, and protesting around our country, when you're thinking about this Afrocrowd community and ways to uh, increase uh, editors as well as the content that, that better reflects our, our country's population, give us some examples of this uh, edithon that you held after George George Floyd's death. Yes, um, that was uh, quite a quite a response and quite a, a momentous time um, in the history of the Wiki community, I believe, as well as the world. Um, you know, uh, when this happened, uh, it affected not just people um, in uh, in the United States, but it affected people all over the world. We saw um, uh, protests and, and marches. Um, uh, both here and abroad. And this event, um, our Juneteenth event, which was held June 19th this past year, um, is an event that we've held um, uh, more than once. We've Every year we have something for Juneteenth, which is the day of celebration of the emancipation of, uh, uh, of enslaved peoples in America. And um, so this year would not have been any different except for... Um, you know what what we saw happening around us we knew we had to expand it so it went from being a one-day edit-a-thon and edit-a-thons are events where you you come and you learn how to edit you meet other people who are also on their editing journey and um and you work together but this time around we decided to make it a conference which went for um the an entire weekend we partnered with other great groups in the wiki community like women in red um, another uh, group that I'm working with that focuses on um, Black-owned newspapers, uh, uh, News on Wiki, and and others, and other Wiki coaches and people like Molly, who are who are um, expert Wikipedians who can help others um, to uh, not only uh, learn to edit and improve editing, but also to um, kind of talk about the relationship between Wikipedia and um, the sharing of knowledge of, of things that happen like this. Um, we focused on civil rights. We had a great speaker from Spelman, um, uh, Alexandria Lockett, who has been at Wikipedia for um, uh, for many, many years and uses it in her, uh, her teaching. We had librarians. We had people from eight different countries. We even had um, someone come in from, um, a group of women come in from Nigeria who brought their own Hausa, um, Hausa translator? We did this all on Zoom, on in a in a uh, over more than one day uh, for over a couple of days, and then some editing after. And um, out of that, many articles were edited, and um, the from from there we had other groups contact us to do more. We've worked with the Dominican American community. We've worked with. 
Uh, we even had uh, uh, people from NPR join us later on for uh, um, an edition on the Black Indigenous People of Color uh, community. We had uh, Jen White, we had Elsa Chang mm-hmm. join us for that event. And more recently, right around the um, the uh, before the inauguration and right after the election, we joined people at um, Wikimedia's uh, uh, conference in North America, uh, Wiki Conference North America, um, to hold an event um, that includes people in the uh, Philadelphia and Pennsylvania area uh, and join groups there. So you can see how communities come together to focus on information that needs to be added as well as um, finds ways to help others grow in their Wikipedia journey and learning how to navigate um, starting um, articles, um, ensuring that they're well-sourced and well-edited, as well as um, taking a look at uh, current events, as well as how they, they work together with past events, like ongoing so, issues like civil rights uh, and so forth. So it's quite a, a community effort. It certainly sounds like it. Sherry Antoine, again, is executive director of AfriCrowd. It's a Wikimedia initiative to improve engagement of people of African descent in Wikipedia in both content and editorship. Uh, you mentioned Molly. Molly White is still with us. She's a longtime Wikipedia editor based in Boston. Uh, Molly, I wanted you to respond uh, to the work of the AfriCrowd community. Again, when we think about Wikipedia, it's been around for 20 years, but it's a site that has struggled with the with diversity among its editors, uh, many skew largely white and male. And so I'm wondering, especially for English language uh, entries, I'm wondering if you could respond to how you've seen uh, the pages change and the content in terms of who is notable and should have a page versus maybe five, 10 years ago, who never would have been considered uh, notable enough to be included in Wikipedia. Yeah, so um, the work of groups like AfroCrowd um, has been really remarkable. Um, so, you know, when I was, you know, five or 10 years ago, when I was first beginning to edit, um, it was sort of an accepted fact that, you know, basically every editor you ran into was going to be uh, a man, probably, uh, and was probably going to be a white person from, you know, either the United States or maybe Europe. Um, and there was sort of, it was, it was just kind of like, yeah, that, that's how things are. Um, and in the past, you know, handful of years, I would say, we've definitely seen um, more attention being paid to the fact that, yes, this is a problem that exists, so let's do something about, do something about it. Um, and so I would say that, yeah, the, the work of groups like AfroCrowd um, has made a, a major you know, difference in both the content of Wikipedia, you know, we have more articles now about people of color or, you know, um, there's other groups like Wiki Project Women in Red, which uh, focuses specifically on women. Um, And I would say that, you know, now your average editor is actually probably paying more attention to these things and considering when they go to nominate an article for deletion or, um, you know, vote in one of those discussions to delete an article, whether or not maybe there's bias coming into their decision making and whether or not um, they would make a different decision. Uh, And I would say that there's definitely been a big change uh, in the past couple of years on subjects like this. 
You're listening to Where We Live, where we're learning about Wikipedia in its 20th year. Now, for another perspective on how Wikipedia uh, can improve efforts to expand its content and make it more inclusive, Ari Rotramel is joining us. Ari is an assistant professor of gender, sexuality, and intersectionality studies at Connecticut College here in New London. Ari, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lucy. Thank you for having me. I mentioned you teach gender studies. So tell me how you and you talk about Wikipedia, but also engage with it with your class and your students. Yeah, so um, particularly in my feminist theory class, um, I think about Wikipedia as both a resource right, that students are always going to go to, um, but it's also an opportunity to think about how we can create knowledge together. And that's a really important question to think about when we're um, talking about theory and thinking about um, research. When we mentioned that in the past, there has not been a lot of diversity in those who are editing Wikipedia, including like the information, whether it skews to particular uh, gender or uh, geographic area or race. Is this something that your students uh, have noticed uh, before coming to your class? And then how do you talk about that within your class and how they're making note of this when they're on Wikipedia today? I think for a lot of my students, um, Wikipedia um, feels like it's not touchable for them, right? So despite all of the efforts that Molly and Sherry and folks like them have done, right, there, um, I think still is a, a popular understanding that maybe I don't think I can become an editor. So my students often come to class um, not thinking about how they can participate. So that's sort of the first thing we do is really talk through why that matters. Um, and we do, we look at, um, the research that is out there about sort of bias and the issues of representation um, within the content and the editors of Wikipedia. Um, so it's kind of a process of talking about that, thinking about the stakes, and that can really serve students well in terms of motivating them um, as we start to dig into Wikipedia and, and add content ourselves. Uh, again, I wanted to ask you, Molly, this issue of neutrality, uh, can it be used uh, by some to keep certain knowledge off of the online encyclopedia? How do you counter that? It certainly can. Um, and I think there's a problem somewhat in the policies around neutrality, which is that um, we require articles to reflect all views that have been published in reliable sources. And we require them to be sort of proportional to how uh, represented those views are, which means that if a view has not been represented in reliable sources, it can't be represented in Wikipedia. And so in, in cases where there is basically missing knowledge or if knowledge is represented in ways that are not considered to be reliable, it will be missing on Wikipedia as well. Um, so we've run into this in the past with uh, communities that have very like verbal histories that don't necessarily have a lot of published, uh, you know, records about their communities. They go very underrepresented in Wikipedia because we can't use those verbal histories as reliable sources. Um, the issue of neutrality is also sometimes in uh, yeah, it can be used sort of to, uh, it can be weaponized, I think, a little bit mm. um, in that some people will misunderstand our neutrality policy to mean that Wikipedia articles should have no point of view um, or that they should treat two things equally, uh, which is actually not what the policy requires. But this is such a common misunderstanding that it, it can 
be reflected in articles sometimes. Uh, the issue of neutrality and having balance, uh, this is something that we talk about a lot uh, in our newsroom and journalists are debating it today. Uh, Sherry, I wanted to bring you back into the conversation. When we think about even uh, the media sources that are often seen as reliable, that are sourced onto Wikipedia, we know that uh, in uh, the news media there is an issue of also representation and what communities are covered and how they are covered. And so that can be, I guess, tricky as well for Wikipedia editors as you're uh, you know, going back and forth on, on editing particular pages when uh, certain communities have been left out of the conversation. Right. And, um, and so uh, um, I'm actually working with uh, a partner in the Wiki community, Pete Forsyth, uh, on, news, on something called News on Wiki, which act, focuses on um, just that kind of dilemma, as well as the dilemma of recognizing whether something is reliable or not. Um, uh, a lot of newspapers, local newspapers, can be left out of this conversation, especially Black-owned newspapers. And, um, and there are a lot of regional newspapers that are also left out, too, in, for example, smaller countries like those you might find in the Caribbean. So uh, throughout this past year, we've been working on... Um, uh, connecting with Wikipedians on editing um, information on, on local newspapers. Um, this is a project uh, that's um, been going on this past year, but uh, it also uh, began in infancy about two years ago with just general local newspapers. So there is effort to improve, you know, um, and expand, you know, what we understand of as, um, you know, reliable sources. I'm also, uh, Africa has been, um, looking at ways to perhaps use oral knowledge. Uh, we're not there yet. Um, it's, uh, we've about two, uh, back in 27, uh, two years ago, um, we connected with Columbia University's oral history master's program to kind of uh, see ways that perhaps we can use oral knowledge, um, uh, if not as a citable source, as something that can be included in the lexicon. For example, we held, uh, a oral history recordathon um, in New York with students at LaGuardia College um, and uh, and people in the community to you know get uh, some samples of oral knowledge. We worked with another group called Wiki Tongue. Uh, I love mentioning these groups because there's it's just we just want to let the people know there's a lot of ways to interact with Wikipedia. Um, uh, and, and learn about it and connect with it. Mm. But um, mm. this oral history um, editathon, fun, this oral uh, oral re history courtathon, we collected um, audio and video um, clips um, from people and we put them on Wikicommons. Wikicommons is a sister or, or uh, a, a cousin of Wikipedia and they it works together with Wikipedia as a way to grab either images or audio or visual information and attach them to articles. So in that way, at least you can think of oral knowledge as being included in the article, even though it's not the citation. Um, you can go through Wikicommons and find different things that you can add to an article to kind of give an expanded understanding of it. It's, we're still in the process of, of working on it and trying to figure out ways to better that. But um, so we, we are the, the community is aware of the of the issue. 
and um, there are definitely groups that are, are working on, on trying to, to solve uh, or address it. I need to share it quickly. I need to take a break, uh, but I, it's really been interesting to hear you talk about sure. some of these other ways of including, uh, again, sources on Wikipedia. Again, we're talking about Wikipedia in its 20th year uh, with my guest. You just heard Sherry Antoine, Executive Director of AfriCrowd. This is a Wikimedia initiative. Molly White's here, a longtime Wikipedia editor based in Boston, and Ari Rotramel, Assistant Professor of Gender, Sexuality, and Intersectionality Studies at Connecticut College. When we come back from the break, I want to hear more from Ari about the work in the class where students are learning about, you know, seeing knowledge gaps and working to edit their own pages. I want to talk more about that after the break and take your calls too. We'll be back. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're focused on Wikipedia, and my guests include Ari Rotramel, an assistant professor of gender, sexuality, and intersectionality studies at Connecticut College in New London. Ari, you were talking about your students and how they are evaluating Wikipedia in the classroom, learning to edit their own pages when they see these gaps in knowledge. Can you give us some examples of pages that, again, people that we may not know about um, and having to prove that they're notable, they should be included. Um, what's so amazing is there's just really an endless opportunities. Um, and one person that I had seen add information about um, was Ellie Coppola, who was a, a poet um, and activist who also was a Connecticut College um, undergrad student. And she didn't have a page on Wikipedia. So I had a student who was really interested in her, um, able to look at her work that we have in the archives at the college and so she created a, a page from scratch and when she was able to include this how did the other wiki editors react to it was there the edit wars so to speak mm -hmm. um what i found that's pretty interesting is in that case there wasn't a lot of conflict and sometimes it's really when people start making changes to existing pages so um one example that um, I have, which is to me was a little stunning, was Audre Lorde, who's a famous um, black uh, feminist poet. Um, one of my students added um, that she identified as a lesbian on her page. And, you know, she often wrote and identified as a black lesbian mother warrior poet, right? That's sort of how she named herself in essays. And uh, an editor um, flagged that and tried to erase it because they thought that including her sexual identity was offensive. Mm. That's interesting. And, and how did the students respond to that uh, feedback? Well, my students often uh, in class, you know, they'll get frustrated and they're kind of be like, well, this, these people I don't know are picking on me. Um, but we talk it through and we talk about that. That's kind of a really important lesson. How do you push back? Um, in other cases, it's really about you need to present the information to support that point. Right. So, going back in and sort of saying, here's the evidence, just like Molly and Cherry have been talking about, right? You need to find and sort of help other folks understand that this is documented, this is relevant, and it's an important thing to have available to the public. 
Uh, Molly, I wanted to bring you back in. You're a longtime Wikipedia editor. Uh, we know that the Wikimedia, which is the parent organization, has acknowledged issues like sexual harassment and doxing that have been a problem, uh, again, with uh, depending on what people are working on and pushback on particular pages and, and who the people's identities. Uh, and I'm just wondering how Wikipedia is handling that. And does that does that hurt bringing more diverse editors on uh, to work uh, in this community, uh, people who have been marginalized uh, or, um, you know, targeted in the past? Yeah, it's absolutely an ongoing problem. Um, and we definitely do what we can to try to address harassment within the Wikipedia community. Um, so, you know, there are uh, places where you can go to say, you know, hey, I've been having trouble with this editor um, and try to have those disputes resolved. And um, I would say there's definite gaps there um, in dealing with harassment on Wikipedia uh, within the community. But there are also major issues around the fact that if someone is harassing someone on Wikipedia, the most we can really do is ban them from editing Wikipedia. But that doesn't necessarily stop the harassment. Um, so they could go somewhere else, like Twitter or to some off, you know, off wiki, we call it, uh, venue and continue that harassment. And that's where our um, ability to stop that sort of ends. Um, and I would say that really does limit uh, bringing new editors in, especially people of marginalized communities, because it's really hard to say, you know, hey, we have this issue with um, underrepresentation. We need more women editors or people of color or members of the LGBTQ community to come help us edit so that, you know, things are better represented. But, oh, if you're a woman or if you're queer, you know, you're going to be subjected to this harassment. Um, it's really hard to make that argument, right? And it's really hard to justify, um, you know, asking people to do that kind of work with you if you know that they're going to be put at risk. Um, so I would say that's that's definitely an issue with the community. Richard's Klein from New Haven. Richard, we just have a couple minutes left. Quickly with your question. Yeah, hi. I'm an academic researcher, and I'm working in a field that's changed a lot in the last few years. So I... Uh, rewrote one of the pages, which was, I thought, obsolete, and my rewritings were just wiped clean by an editor who's not been keeping up with the field. And I'm wondering uh, what the recourse is uh, and how, how to, how to uh, go forward and argue uh, uh, what I think to be the, the changes in the research field. Molly, go ahead. Sure. Um, so in cases like that, um, we usually encourage people to go to the talk page of that article and sort of make a case for their changes, um, presenting any sort of reliable sources and usually, you know, explaining that, hey, things have really changed and this page is outdated. Um, sometimes if there's an editor, you know, if, if a page is not heavily edited, you won't uh, get a whole lot of response. And so in those cases, we definitely encourage you to go to um, what we call the notice boards. Um, so there's um, various notice boards you can go to, depending on if it's a neutrality issue or if it's just sort of a general content issue, to get outside opinions. Um, I wanted that's to what end I would with. Recommend. Thank you, Molly. I wanted to end uh, with going back to Ari Rotramel again from Connecticut College. You wanted to make a point quickly. Yeah, I think in terms of this issue around harassment, I mean that's why. For me, I often have students use you know, pseudonyms, and it's actually an opportunity to talk about exactly what Molly mentioned, right? That we're living in a world um, where harassment can travel across social media. Um, so this is a, a way to sort of talk about what does that mean? What does it mean to sort of engage in a 
online world. And I think even to this last point, right? Um, how to hack me or not to support you as you're editing Wikipedia. Well, it's been a really interesting conversation. I never thought about a lot of this uh, when I've been doing uh, some uh, Google searches on particular topics, but it's been a, a really enjoyable hour to learn about the Wikipedia community. Thank you so much, Ari Rochamel, for the work you're doing in your classroom at Connecticut College, Assistant Professor of Gender, Sexuality, and Intersectionality Studies. Also, Sherry Antwine is here, Executive Director of AfroCrowd and a Wikimedia Initiative, and we're going to share some information about a Black History Month event uh, on our social at where we live. But thank you, Sherry, for your time. And Molly White, longtime Wikipedia editor based in Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you, Molly. Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. You can learn more about the show. Just download Where We Live on your favorite podcast app. Tomorrow, we're digging into some Connecticut history. Have you heard of Venture Smith? We'll talk about him with historian Elizabeth Norman. <laughs>